Oh, hi there, Andy. Hi, Ernie. What are you up to? About three feet. Hey, I hear you're doing a new podcast. That's right. Where did you hear that? A little ducky told me. Well, if you see John, let him know I'm ready to record now. Okay. Uh, what does he look like again? Well, he's a big goofball. Hmm. My kind of fella. While we're waiting, let's try this Levermark theme song. Oh, boy. Let's see, uh, let's see what this does. Oh, wow. Boom, 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 boom. We're John and Andy. We have a show. Yep. Needed a theme song, so I wrote one. Here you go. We're both late bloomers and a perfect pair. Got married, went to school, had a kid, started over with a whole new career. <laughs> we got to figure out this thing as we go. The John and Andy Show. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Oh Shoot Reboot. Okay, Mr. Radio Voice. <laughs> I'm John Dawkins. I'm here with my lovely wife, Andrea. How are you, dear? I'm just fine. How's your week been? Not too bad. Work, more work, rain. <laughs> it's been very rainy this week. It has. It has. Crazy child. Very much so. <laughs> it was her birthday last week. <laughs> she's uh, She's a little spoiled at the moment. Yes, and sugared up because we've been eating cupcakes for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my apologies. I did say in the last podcast we would try to have the next one up in a week. And what with uh, launching a website and birthday parties and painting a wall and all that, eh, things got pushed back a little bit. But uh, it's actually fortuitous in terms of our topic this week because it's actually our anniversary week. That's right. And we'll be talking about how we met and how we formed a life together. Love. Love. We will be talking about love. <laughs> we're also, and this is a lovely new addition to the podcast, we're drinking wine while we record. Yes, yeah, so if we start slurring, you'll know why. Usually we drink tea, not wine. Or coffee. Or coffee. As we're drinking our wine, I will give a shout out to Oliver Wineries in Bloomington, I believe, um, because their apple pie wine actually tastes like apple pie. Yeah, I'm <laughs> digging it. It's like America in a bottle. <laughs> or fall. Who needs pumpkin spice when you can have apple pie? I'll take that over a pumpkin spice latte any day. <laughs> So we thought we would talk today about how we met and how awful our lives were before that and how much better we are now. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I thought it was, but <laughs> I'm not a social bell like you. Well, I did have, I was a lot more social as a single person than I am as a married person. Mm, I'm sorry. It might have something to do with age as well. Yeah, we got married late in life. We met at 31 and got married at 32. Well, I was almost 30. Wait, no. I, yeah. Do the math, dear. Nine years, <laughs> 41 minus nine okay. equals um, 32. 32. 32. He was 32. I was 32. <laughs> she was 25. <laughs> <laughs> 
What he's forgetting to tell you is that I'm actually a little bit older than him. Yeah. By like Six seven months, months. Seven months. I do look a lot younger than him. Well, good. I'll give you that. I was born an old man. Well, you certainly act yeah. like one, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Maturity. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we both found love later in life. And when I say that, I mean, we were both really, really bad at dating anyone else. Just dating in general. <laughs> bad. I just didn't have any confidence that anybody was interested in me, so I really was more of a lack of dating very much. Maybe that is being bad at dating. If you don't know anyone's interested in you, you don't give them a chance. Yeah, I was, um, uh, in my early 20s, I was sort of the king of plutonic relationships. I would, like, four or five times I met a girl and got friend zoned. <laughs> <laughs> It's just something I am not good at. Yeah, I think I was more just, I'm not going to say that nobody was ever interested in me. I had no confidence in that and felt that no one would be interested in me. So I didn't even give them a chance to be. Um, I would have to be slapped in the face with someone just coming out and saying that they wanted to meet me, be with me, whatever. I think that's why I turned to things like trying speed dating back when speed dating was a thing. I don't think that's even a thing now, which didn't work for me. And then online dating, because with online dating, you knew at least there was some sort of interest there. Right. Going back to speed dating, uh, tell your, your story about our friend Allison. So No last names. Yes, my friend Allison, no last name, um, met her husband while we were speed dating. So she and I went speed dating, and I believe at the time it was at Flashbacks. Of course, then she and I were meeting all the same guys, right, because we were speed dating. So we came up with little nicknames for the guys. Her husband ended up being the Tide guy because he worked for Procter & Gamble making Tide. But yeah, so she was successful at it. She met her husband, I actually went back and did a second round of speed dating because you got some deal if you didn't successfully meet someone that you went on a date with or something. But oddly enough, I know this is hard to believe, it was a lot of the same people. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. I actually, pretty much everyone I ever dated, I met online. Uh, starting, We met through a dating service. From an online dating website uh-huh but before that i was uh, meeting people off of aol <laughs> i think there was one or two i actually met off of myspace because <laughs> mm. myspace that's that's where you met people right <laughs> i was never on myspace so i have no idea how you actually would meet someone on myspace i don't know i'm not i'm still to this day i'm mystified how i ever met anyone on aol but like I said, I was the uh, the king of plutonic relationships for a while, and then when I got tired of that, I just kind of shut down and didn't see anyone for a long time. And uh, after I turned 30, I started, I don't know, something snapped, and I just said, I'm going to meet somebody. I have to. And uh, eventually that led to online dating, and then I met you. Now, oddly enough, before John and I met... A friend of mine at work introduced me to John's cousin several years before us meeting. And he now claims 
that he always thought that John and I would work well together. Even before John and I met, he thought he should introduce us, but he never did. It's very strange um, how life works out. And Andy and I seem to know several people in common before we met each other. She pretty much knew everyone on my locker bank at school, in high school. Yes, John and I did not go to high school together, but somehow I seem to know everybody who went to school with him, (laughs) (laughs) whose locker surrounded his. Yeah, the whole D-bank of the lockers. Yes, well, one of them I actually knew while in high school. One, One of them you knew in middle school before. No, not middle, middle school, elementary school. Elementary school before he came to my high school. Right. And there was another girl. Adam. <laughs> and there was another girl that I went to high school with that had gone to school with you prior. Uh, she wasn't on your, her name did not start with a D, but she had gone to school with you up until like seventh grade or something. Sandy? No, Sandy was... Went all through high school. A girl named Megan. She told me that she knew you from band when she saw on Facebook that we were dating. Right. Okay. Right. So, yeah, we just kept missing each other. And uh, to think of all the times I probably walked right past you at the uh, Home and Garden show. Or Johnny Appleseed. Or Johnny Appleseed. Because your family did things like work booths. and. (laughs) Right. All through till I was in college. My church had a booth at Johnny Appleseed that my parents were very involved in and in charge in, and I was normally there. And when I was in high school in ROTC, we worked helping clean up the grounds and right, and that right. sort of thing. So, yes, somehow through our late teens and 20s, we seem to have narrowly missed meeting each other on multiple occasions. Life's funny that way. So, yeah, I think you you and I responded to uh, being single slightly differently. Before I hit 30 and, you know, some, well, it was actually before that. It was 29. I, I don't know, something clicked and I, I just really decided to start trying. But I'd gotten in a very dark place mentally, I think, as far as it'd just been too long single. It'd been too long without... Uh, there there was a bit of darkness there, and I had to snap out of it. And I had also, during that part of my life, it was, well, I quit smoking at 24, and between 24 and 29, I gained a lot of weight, which, sadly, I'm back there again. But something clicked, and I decided it was time to start becoming the kind of person that someone would want. And I wound up dieting and losing over 100 pounds, and I started putting myself out there and going out more socially, and finally I decided to try online dating. So I started trying, and and I started going on dates, and for the first time I'd gone out with, you know, like five or six people inside of a couple of months, and that was insane for me, and uh, finally I just had this perfect girl fall in my lap, she didn't fall in my lap. She... No. no. <laughs> I will say, dear, that one of the things that won me over, one before we actually met and had a, our first date, and we were emailing or chatting or whatever we did through online dating, which we only did for maybe a week, emailed and chatted back and forth, yeah. was that you were funny. 
<laughs> and then what won you a second date was that you complimented me. So even though I could tell that you were nervous and and such, that you were also very sincere. Enough for me to say, you know, I'll give him another chance. <laughs> but I, I'm digging this uh, this apple pie wine. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Oliver Winery's Apple Pie Wine. <laughs> Anyways, for me, I think I've talked about this maybe in our last episode as well, is that I really felt that I had to be comfortable with myself and figure out how to be happy on my own before I could really be in a relationship. And I mean, part of that is confidence, I think. And that's where I was. I, I had to, I just let myself go, you know, and, and along with the weight gain, it's like I had I was almost not shaving my head, but I had it, I had my head buzzed down to like a number one guard all the time just because it was easy to maintain and I didn't care anymore. And I didn't care about a lot of things. And I, I had to wake up and start caring about myself so that somebody else would care about me. Well, and I would just say that being confident and comfortable with yourself and okay alone totally opens you up to a different kind of relationship than when you're in a needier place yeah um gets you very true unless you're just lucky and you meet the right person and i think we complement each other very very well we hardly ever argue granted it's kind of a habit we got into because when we first started dating i realized i kind of like arguing <laughs> with people but i found out right away it was no fun arguing with you <laughs> Because you just start crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a, a youngest child and the only girl in the family, it is something that I won't say I do on purpose, but I think it became a habit of sorts. <laughs> when in argument, <Yeah>. cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, after nine years of marriage, she'll argue with me. She yells at me all the time now. <laughs> That's fine. I would say we, we more it. bicker then argue. Uh, yeah. Like, we don't we don't get in horrible, terrible argument. Well, there's nothing really about you that annoys me that much. <laughs> well, let me list the things that annoy me about you. Oh, you don't have to do that. <laughs> no, it's further proof that you're really the only person for me because I'm, I, I'm kind of a loner in general. I like talking to people, but eventually they start saying things that bug me. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to talk anymore. I want to go somewhere and read a book. But you're the only person I've ever really met, aside from a couple of very close friends of mine, who I never wanted you to go away at any point. I like having you here. I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> I'm just a fussy person. But I, I do think that is part of finding the person who's right for you, not just the person who is right at the time. Is that, you know, finding someone who who fits that way. That's very true. And we're going to take a bit of a break from that. Do a little segment here. It'll show you how grumpy he truly is, people. <laughs> so this is a segment I'm calling John Rants. <laughs> and now John Rants. 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 Oh, he's still talking. Now, when I decided to do a rant on the show, I, there's many things I could rant about, but I decided not to have the show be about politics. Thank you. 
That leaves me with pop culture. So I needed a focus for my rant, and, well, the past couple weeks, a worthy victim has come along. So here's a little letter I'd like to send out to Netflix. Netflix, you slimy collection of gutless corporate weasels. How the heck are you? I want to make it clear that I defended you long after most people had turned against you. I stood by while you canceled some good shows. I understood when you had to cancel Daredevil. There are no survivors when Disney rolls out the copyright Nutcrusher. And I wasn't terribly happy when you canceled the Mystery Science Theater reboot. But I get it, it's a niche audience at best, and to be perfectly honest, I've still only watched about half of them. I mean, they're good and all, but I miss Kevin Murphy. The real last straw, and in my opinion, the nail in the coffin of 2020, the year of crushed dreams, is the discontinuation after one season of a little show called Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Now, for those of you who have not seen the 1982 film Dark Crystal, Get out from under your rock of ignorance and watch it. It doesn't even matter that you don't like it. It's a piece of film history that needs to be experienced by all thinking humans. Not that there's enough of those in the world at the moment. The Dark Crystal is the technical and conceptual masterpiece of Jim Henson, who revolutionized realism and puppetry in a pre-CGI world. Basically, they were reeling from the success of Yoda and said, Hey! Let's make an entire movie about weird old wrinkly aliens and put them in a twisted morality play. Cut to 17 years later when Netflix releases their contribution to the franchise and they achieved something that George Lucas couldn't do, Christopher Nolan couldn't do, J.J. Abrams couldn't do. They created a prequel that not only doesn't suck, it actually honored the spirit of the original film and it celebrated the legacy of Hollywood's most unique filmmaker and added a depth and emotional gravitas that could be cherished by new and old fans alike. It was phenomenal. It was well made. They forewent unnecessary CGI and lovingly crafted those wonderful puppets all over again. They created whole civilizations we only saw as ruins before, and they ended the season on the brink of a devastating world-ending war. They ended it with a collection of characters whom we cared about deeply, looking out into an uncertain future. The cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers. And the day after they won an Emmy, Netflix canceled it. Now, they've been very candid about why they did it. It was the longest shoot in the history of Netflix. The sets are practical rather than CG, and they're huge. It's an expensive monster of a show to make, and they didn't have as big an audience as they'd hoped. But whose fault is that, really? Now, The Mandalorian is a great show. It deserves the success it's getting, and Baby Yoda is much cuter than the Porgs. But Age of Resistance is actually better. The effects are better, the plot is better, the writing is better, and it has huge stars doing the voices. I'll take Mark Hamill, Jason Isaacs, Simon Pegg, and Andy Samberg as Skeksis any day over Ugnaught Nick Nolte. And the characters are actually more relatable, which is weird to say when we're talking about gelflings and podlings, but watch the scene where the podlings are getting bathed, and if you've ever had a two-year-old, you can relate. <laughs> so, Netflix... What can you learn from Disney? I don't know, advertising, merchandising, Happy Meal toys? You could have gone a little farther than pop-up ads on Facebook. Nobody wants those Happy Meal toys. Just saying. <laughs> if you're gonna put on your big boy pants as producers, maybe you can do the other stuff that goes along with it. 
I just feel that if you're a major producer of entertainment, maybe you should have more of an idea of what you're doing than I do. So the long and the short of it is that I needed this one, Netflix. I needed this show badly, and you let me down. It's not just that you canceled it. You made this great thing, and you gave up right at the good part. For the first time, I can relate with those weirdo Firefly fans. Sorry, Ben. And my sympathies to Joss Whedon. So that's my rant, and if you'd like to hear me discuss more on pop culture and all things nostalgic, you can find a link to my blog, The Nostalgia Saturation, at wingshout.com on the Oh Shoot Reboot page. And now back to our topic. Did we talk about how we met? We did kind of. Well, we, we met online. We decided to meet, and we actually met on Good Friday. Yes. Uh, April 2nd? April, April 2nd. 2nd. Yes. 2010. For lunch. For lunch. You were going shopping for Easter dinner. Yes, I fit him into my busy Good Friday schedule, meeting him for lunch before going to the grocery store. At Applebee's. Yes. One of the only times. we <laughs> handful of times that we've gone to Applebee's. We enjoyed each other's company. And uh, as you said, I apparently complimented you just enough that you gave me a second date, which honestly, I was, I, I was floored by how pretty you are. And I, I was first very impressed when I walked in because I don't know if it's the vibe I gave off, but virtually everybody else I went out with that I met online underdressed, like to a severe level. I mean, I got sweatpants. <laughs> yeah, who wears sweatpants on a date? And you were there wearing, uh, you know, a very smart blouse, and you'd uh, put on makeup, and I just... Well, at that point in my life, I pretty much wore makeup every day, because I was selling Mary Kay. Ah. Uh, um, so it wasn't just me. Well, I wanted to look especially nice having a date, but I did wear makeup a lot more often than I do now. Unfortunately, when I had a child, my skin dried out terribly, and I just got out of the habit of wearing makeup. <laughs> um, and it haven't gotten totally back into it. But yes, I did have makeup on, and I did my hair, and I did make sure I looked nice. You looked very cute. Of course, I was wearing jeans. It's not like I was, you know, put on a little black dress or anything for a first date at Applebee's. And you were wearing a nice button-down shirt. You had dressed well for the occasion, and I believe you had your contacts in, not your glasses on. <laughs> it happened once in a while. It happened more often then, although now you've gotten into the habit of contact wearing because of COVID and masks. Well, it fogs up your glasses. <laughs> it's annoying. But yes, I believe you did have your contacts in, and, and you I bought just, lunch. That's, that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm spending your money anyway, but I whip out the card. <laughs> <laughs> it's our money, dear. Our money. So one thing I do remember of our first date, well, more than one thing, but I know that well, what I said is that you paid me compliments and that won you a second date. And I do remember specifically standing outside of Applebee's after we'd had our meal and talking and you telling me of how pretty my eyes were. Well, there's a simple reason for that. You have the most breathtaking eyes I've ever seen in my life. 
your eyes are so uh, so stunning in fact that I actually had to write a song about that day and the lovely eyes that were looking at me across the Applebee's table. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to share a song with you now. Um, this is another thing about Andy. I attempted to I write music now. I attempted to write music for most of my life, and I could never finish anything. And shortly after meeting Andy, I wrote my first two songs. And the second one I wrote about the day that we met. And I actually recorded it later that year um, at Temple Recording Studios. That song made it into our wedding. I actually sang it to her at the reception with a an added verse and all of that. So here um, is the first song I wrote for Andy. I've written others, and, and I hope to write more in the future. This is a tribute to the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. This is Cathedral Window Eyes. Early Friday afternoon she sat across the table from me Laughing, telling stories with me Lazily the moments fluttered past Her smile was pretty coy and tender Searching for the words to win her Lost to lovely eyes like covered glass Her eyes are like cathedral windows Stained glass weaving summer sunlight Glad familiar glow within them lies Her lips are polished petunia petals She smiled at me soft and gentle my heart was glazed in cathedral window eyes My heart was hollowed out by time And chipped away by fierce and worry Damped with mist and melancholy Alone in the cold and standing in the rain I saw the glow of painted rainbows The rain repelled by cathedral windows sheltered me and I was warm again Her eyes are like cathedral windows Stained glass weaving summer sunlight A glad familiar glow within them lies Her lips are polished petunia petals She smiled at me soft and gentle My heart was claimed in cathedral window eyes Are ever better. Time cannot exist or matter when I look into her lovely eyes. A closeness I have never known, a kinship deep in every bone. The future echoes soft in her replies. Her eyes are like cathedral windows, stained glass weaving summer sunlight, a glad familiar glow within them lies. Her 
lips are polished petunia petals. She smiled at me, soft and gentle. My heart was claimed in cathedral window eyes. I fell in love with cathedral window eyes. So, yes, dear, you made a, a huge impact on me right from the start. Well, like I said, I don't know what I said. <laughs> It's it's really amazing to me that um, we can't tell you guys how to, you the listeners, how to fall in love. Obviously, it, it works for differently for everybody, but it's amazing the, the level of security you get when you meet the right person, the sense of, I really am somebody worth someone's time, and it's a confidence booster, and I hope that you all have that in your lives, and, or we'll find it. And, well, uh, and... I do think there's a lot to be said behind the psychology of having someone in your life. You know, you read all the time, especially when with newborn babies and such, the importance of touch. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're an adult who goes for a long time not in a relationship, you really aren't being touched. You're not being hugged by on a regular basis. You're not. No one's walking past and rubbing your back or patting your back or holding your hand. And I think there is a lot to be said about the psychology and what happens when you have that on a regular basis and how it kind of changes your perspective and changes your mood and your mindset. This just goes back to the fact that I'm weird, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not big on, on people touching me. I... I... <laughs> I'm not against people touching me, but it always makes me feel just a little uncomfortable, except for you. I mean, I... Well, I, sometimes when Eileen and I pile on top of you, you get a little freaked out. I, mm. <laughs> but it does, I think it does. It changes your mood. It changes a lot of things. It makes you see what's possible. And I wish that for everybody. And I, I hope you find it. And, you know, we'll be talking a lot in this podcast about developing who you are and, and working towards being happy. But I hope you find somebody that or have found somebody that brings that out in you because that's it's much harder to do by yourself. I found that out and I even gave up until somebody else pushed me back into it. Well, here I go. So I was talking about the psychology of touching. So I looked it up and uh, supposedly 20 seconds of affection Affectionate touching, hugging, back rubs, etc., is enough to trigger the release of oxytocin. So it makes you happier. There you go. I can believe it. And I get plenty of that because you fall asleep on me almost every night. <laughs> <laughs> I get we sleepy. After 8 p.m., we cannot watch a show without her falling Not asleep. true. <laughs> I'm usually good till Nine. about 10. And that's why we're so punch drunk at 1130. Recording, recording a podcast. A podcast. Has nothing to do with the wine at all. <laughs> <laughs> In the 10 plus years since we met and the nine years now this week since we've been married, we've done all kinds of wonderful growing in our lives. And, and we have this fantastic, crazy, insane young person mm. uh, who I think maybe it's time to introduce you all to. Eileen is insanely smart and just a crazy pistol. 
I've never seen anybody make as many friends as this kid. Everybody loves her. Random strangers tell us how what a delightful child she is. Eileen talks to everyone and makes friends with everyone. And then that person she will refer to as her friend from now on. <laughs> Pre-COVID, she had a list of uh, like uh, restaurant workers and waitresses who knew who she was when they would come in because she's been ordering her own food since she was a year and a half old. <laughs> she's super bright. She uh, One of my favorite things that uh, I'll always remember about her is when she was not even two and she argued me to a standstill on something. And she was right. Was, I think it was I was still in school or, or something, and uh, I needed to do some work on the computer. And my laptop was set up at a desk out in the living room. And she said, Daddy, can I watch TV in your bed? And I said, well, honey, I need to work on the computer out here. She just looks at me, not even two yet. She looks me dead in the eye and said, Daddy, your computer can come in here. <laughs> I'm like, my God, she's right. <laughs> we're watching TV in bed. So, and you may all think we're crazy as we're talking about our not even two-year-old at the time speaking these sentences to us. But I went back to look at memories on Facebook because in my head I keep thinking she was speaking full sentences at 18 months. And I was questioning myself. No, at 18 months there's no way Oh yeah, she, she was, was speaking full sentences. So I went back to look at a memory on Facebook and yes, when she was 18 months old, I posted on Facebook that we had been at a restaurant that gives chocolate to everybody at the end, and we were out with my mom, and she looks at my mom and says, Grandma, I've got chocolate. And I was just floored because I'm like, my child is, she's 18 months old, and that was a full, fully formed, grammatically correct sentence that just came out of her mouth. <laughs> so we're actually going to introduce you to our daughter now. Uh, this is a segment we recorded a couple of days ago on Eileen's birthday, where she was making some wonderful promises to us about how much better she's going to be at five. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the jelly bean report. It's the jelly bean report with Eileen Dawkins. We're talking for the first time to Miss Eileen Dawkins. How are Hello. you, dear? Hello. Hi. Today's a special day, isn't it? What is today? My birthday. Awesome. How, how old are you today? I am five. Five years old. Yes. So you were excited for your birthday? Yes. Why were you so excited? Well, I wanted to be five and see what I would do when I was five. So that's why I'm super excited. What do you think will be different this year, being five, than well, it was last year? I'll probably be cleaning more and building more. Cleaning more and building more? Yes. Will you be taking more responsibilities? Probably. Oh. And I'll do more stuff that you asked me to do. <laughs> wow. Really? Will you keep your room clean? Um... That I'll need help on. I can't, I won't be cleaning or building by myself. No, you'll be doing it with help from mommy and daddy, right? Yes, I'll be, I'll clean my room with you or daddy. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. 
Sometimes I'm kind of shy. I'm feeling a little shy right now. You're feeling a little shy? Yeah. That, too, is unusual. Mm -hmm. I did not know that about you as a four-year-old. Suddenly you're shy? A little sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Our daughter is one of the most erudite and well-spoken young ladies I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. So this is my bedtime. I'm tired. It's your bedtime and you're tired. It's mm. past my bedtime. No, your bedtime's in about an hour. Yeah. Or 20 minutes. Oh, 20 minutes. Okay, it's later <laughs> than I thought. But I'm going to stay up a little. So, Eileen, what did we do special today for your birthday? Well, we went out to for brunch. For brunch. And what did you have for brunch? I had a Mickey Mouse pancake and orange. And sausages? Yeah. Yeah. And what is your favorite part of eating pancakes and sausages? Oh, it just tasted so good. I know, but what do you dip them in? Syrup. And do you think the syrup is actually your favorite part? Sausages, too. Sausages, too. Yeah. That's why I love pancakes. That's why you love pancakes? And... We went to the dollar store today because it's our favorite place to buy birthday decorations, right? Mm -hmm. And what did you insist that we buy? Candy. Candy. And what kind of candy? My favorite kind. And what's that? Ring Pops. Ring Pops. It's so delightful. And are these mystery Ring Pops? Yes, mystery. You don't know what flavor they are. Yeah. We think mine was lemon. You think some of them are tuna flavored? No. Hmm. They're because they're pretty sweet. Shrimp flavored, maybe? No. They're sweet. So, I have seven. Yep, you have seven left because how many did you start with? Eight. You started with eight. And and then went to seven. Yeah, because you ate one. Five years old and you're already doing subtraction. I know. I was quite impressed. I'm doing... I've, I've been learning math. I've been learning math. You've been learning math. Yeah. So I I can count past 10, but I can't count past 100 yet. <laughs> well, you'll get well, there. Well, that's okay. So, Eileen, you've been going to school. How is that going? It's going pretty well. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Are you glad to be back in school? Yes. Yeah, because last year, what at the end of last year, what happened? We had to do Zoom chat. You had to do Zoom chats yeah. instead, yeah. But you're back in school, and that's going all right? Yeah. I love recess. Uh, well, who doesn't? <laughs> I think yeah. recess is every kid's favorite part of school. So, Eileen, mm-hmm. this is your part of the show. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything you want to ask me and Mommy? Well... How did college go when you were in college? How did college go when I was in college? It Both was it was you. hard. Both of you. Yes, it was definitely hard, but a lot of fun. Yeah, mommy, mommy went a long time before I did. I got to meet a lot of new people, like Brandy and Kristen. Yeah, like Brandy and Kristen. But they weren't new in college, were they? Yeah, I didn't know them before college, so they were new friends in college. Brand, you know what? I met Brandy. My first day of college Mm -hmm. because she was living in the room next to me. She lived? Yeah, we lived at the school. For until you were old enough to move away from the school? Well, we lived at the school for three years in dorms. And she, our very first day, I met her because she was living in the room next door to me. 
So we, you could talk to each other all the time. Yeah, we talk to each other all the time. So you could just walk over to her room. Exactly. That's what's neat about college is you can you make friends and they're right there. You're living with them. Sometimes. Sometimes. Like if you may are married and you have a baby like you and mommy. That is true. That's very astute of you. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm an adult student, because mm-hmm. I didn't go to college as a teenager, mm-hmm. I didn't live in the dorms, especially yes. since we lived just a couple blocks from my school. Yes. So I lived here. They, they don't make you live in the dorms if you have, mm-hmm. if, they don't make you live in the dorms if you have a mortgage. <laughs> like, or a baby. Or a baby. Hey, hey you're doing great. Mm-hmm. You're doing great be- interviewing. Yeah. Is, any other questions you have for us? Well, I'm thinking. Okay. So, what do you think is going to be the best part of being five? So, like, helping out more? Helping okay, out more. That's the best part? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I have some more questions. Yeah. Go for it. So, stuff will be a lot different. Really. What'll be different? Because you're five? Mm-hmm. What's going to be different, do you think? Well, like, you know, I'll probably do more stuff that I didn't used to do. Mm-hmm. It's true. You're learning things. Yeah. Since it's the first five-year-old in class, I'm taller than everybody else mm-hmm. since I'm older. Well, it's not, I don't. Yes, you are older than uh, your other classmates That's... because you're the oldest one in the class. But you're also very tall for your age. Mm-hmm. So I'm taller than everybody else. Yeah, you're taller than your classmates. Do older kids sometimes think that you're older because you're taller? Well, I told them I was. I was a hundred percent five. <laughs> well, now 100% you're 100% five. five. Yes, this morning you were only 99.999% five, but now you are 100% five because you were born at 3 p.m. Yeah. So, <laughs> afternoon birth, much better than middle of the night birth, don't you think? Yes. Although I don't know if you could tell the difference at the time. <laughs> well, I would say that after 3 a.m., when I got my epidural. Yeah. <laughs> and I could fall asleep for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That made it much better. Do you know, the 12 hours of numbness really... Paid off. <laughs> yeah, it paid off. Because in the end, there was you. You can keep talking about how I was born. Keep talking about how you were born? You can talk about how I was born. Yeah. Well, let's see. It was the night a miracle happened. <laughs> or afternoon a miracle happened. Yes. The day before you were born, you were so excited. We were scheduled for what they call being induced because they wanted the doctor was ready for you to be here. You were so excited. Yeah, but I had started having little contractions. But Daddy and I decided we would go walk around some Halloween stores. Uh huh. It was almost Halloween. It was almost Halloween, and then we went to the hospital because we had to be there anyways. And we went and. Waited and waited and waited. And, and the, finally, there was you. Well, you can like, talk about how it went, too. Like, what they did. <laughs> what you did. Mm. Are you trying to find out here on the podcast what birth is like? <laughs> yes. Oh, my. Yes. I don't know if we're going to go into all of that conversation right now. 
but later. Although it might make for a very entertaining podcast. Later in. We'll talk about it later on. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Eileen, for talking to us today. I'm just going to take a break. Well, uh, let's wrap it up real quick, and then, because you need to get to bed anyway. Yeah, it's bedtime, and I can't wait to put a five-year-old to bed for the very first time. I have finished my hot chocolate. <laughs> and the important thing is, is that she finishes her hot chocolate. This podcast will make everyone want to drink hot chocolate after they hear it, because I say hot chocolate in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Eileen, thank you very much for your report. Thanks. This has been the Jelly Bean Report signing off. Good job. Woohoo. You did awesome. So, that was our crazy, wonderful daughter. And you'll be hearing more from her semi regularly. She's very excited to have her podcast, as she refers to it. Well, just just so you all know, she has declared for quite a while now that she is the president of Wayne Shout. So, at some point in our daughter's life, she is going to be in management or in charge of things somewhere at some point in her lifetime. I think it was when you were building her bed, mm-hmm. an IKEA kit. So if all of you out there have ever bought anything from Ikea. You know how many bits and pieces come with them. And she declared that she was going to tell Daddy how to build her bed. And she pretty much spent the rest of the evening telling him how to build her bed. Whether she was right or, or not was is another story. But And that's how she tackles every project that we do. Uh, she's going to tell us how to do it. She's a born supervisor, that kid. <laughs> Heading towards a wrap-up here, and while we've now killed off a bottle of wine. <laughs> and it is way past my bedtime. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, maybe not way past, but it's my bedtime. <laughs> really what I feel like you should take away from this episode is, um, you know, we certainly won't tell you what your relationships should be like, but supporting each other is is very important, I think. I I mean, you have always been there for me. You've always been there to tell me you can do it. We can do it. We can get through it. And at some of my lowest points career-wise have been in this marriage. And my high points as a student and and uh, my sense of accomplishment have all... I owe it all to you for how wonderful you've been supporting me. And I try and I hope... I hope to God that I I am as supportive back towards you because I feel like I need to. I owe you that much. Well, I would say that in the last nine years, things have happened that I never imagined would happen. But not, not all good things. Like some of the hardest things that I've ever faced have happened. And you have most definitely been there and supported me and been my rock through multiple things in the last nine years that I would not have gotten through, at least not as smoothly, without you by my side. There is something to be said for meeting the love of your life this late in life, because I feel like we had a level of maturity that we knew what we needed. It's not just we knew what we wanted, but we had a much better concept of what we needed 
we were already grown-ups, if that makes yeah. sense. Your 20s is a time of major changes, even though we're talking about major changes later in life with this podcast. Your 20s, I think, is a time that you move from being a kid because you don't stop being a kid at 18. You move from being a kid into an adult. I feel like more in your mid to late 20s. And believe me, I know many people who met young and it's worked. But I think when you meet later in life, when you're older and you're already a grown-up in a career or of some sort, been working for 10 to 15 years, it's just, it's different. And you you do, you know more of what you're looking for and what you can tolerate and what you don't want to tolerate in a in a spouse. Yeah, and uh, even before I hit my 30s, I, I was saying this, and I'm very sorry to any of my um, college friends who are listening because I was so much older than you when, when we went to school together. Part of the reason I had very little performance anxiety in college is because you all were so much younger. <laughs> <laughs> I've long been saying that uh, if you're under the age of 25, you don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I don't mean that disparagingly. Before a certain age, you just, you're not really an adult. And you don't really have that experience and you don't really have that maturity level. And it's really nothing against you. I say this about myself. I was stupid at 20. I was so stupid at 22. Before the age of 25, you're not really ready for a lot of things. And I know that a lot of strong relationships do work when people get married in their 20s, but I feel like there was a different level getting married in my 30s. Just a different level of knowing what we needed, knowing what had to be there and making it work. The the need and the desire to make it work is a lot of what makes a successful marriage, I think, is that you put we before I. What do we need here? What works for us, not what, what works for me, and what am I getting out of this? Well, and I had a lot of fun. I did some traveling um, because I wasn't tied down to anybody when I was in my 20s. And stuff that I probably wouldn't have done had I necessarily been in a relationship with someone. And I think, you know, because I I went out, I watched live music, and I know a lot of people do that. But by the time I met you and was ready to be in that, re that type of relationship, I didn't have a desire to be out partying or any of those things. And I think that makes a big difference as well. Hey, I think that's a good stopping point. All right. Well, that is our show. One bottle of wine equals one show. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Oh Shoot Reboot with John and Andy. Check out our page and other awesome Fort Wayne podcasts on WayneShout.com and look for Wayne Shout on Facebook and Instagram. All our podcasts can be found on Spotify and someday I hope to find a handful of spare minutes to figure out how to put it everywhere else. 
Support for O Shoot comes from Andy's family at Young's Greenhouse and Flower Shop on Lake Avenue just off Maple Crest next to Concordia Cemetery. If you want plants, they got them with first-rate knowledge and customer service to boot. The audio content and most of the music in the program has been produced by yours truly. Our closing theme is Legend or Myth by Rosalind and the Way. My wonderful and very patient and understanding co-host is Andy Dawkins. you have anything you'd like to close with, dear? Love all of our four-legged furry friends as much as they love us. She's Andy. I'm John. We're out. Bye-bye. Oh, shoot. Reboot. has been a Wayne Shout production. Wayne Shout.